Why don't you pray with me one last time? Father, we again thank you for who you are and for the wonderful words that we resonate with in that song that now our chains are gone and we've been set free. Father, as we open up this scripture, maybe hear a word from you today. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Now I see we have the kids in with us today. Hi, kids. A few of you, some of you are awake, some of you are not. We'll get there. I get that some of you needed a couple more donuts. I'm sorry, I may have caused issues with parents later. My apologies. You can come up with me after that. But we are coming into tomorrow, a holiday that, you know, is kind of important in our, in our country. And I just, before we get into this, I do want to clarify something that... I can celebrate the 4th of July because I am American, okay? There's a rumor out there that I'm Canadian. It's not true, okay? I spent a year, I just, we just came from Canada, just spent a year up in British Columbia. Uh, so this time last year, we were singing, you know, Oh Canada and God Save the Queen. So it's a little bit of a weird shift, but we are American. And, um, and let me tell you, it is kind of a breath of fresh air. I find myself slightly more patriotic having come back. I like this place. But I I don't want to spend too much time on that, only to say that this weekend of all weekends is the weekend where we tend to throw this word out that I want to focus on today, which is freedom. Okay? Freedom. I mean, we're, we're about to celebrate 4th of July. We're celebrating Declaration of Independence. It is this concept of freedom. We want to be free people. And if anybody knows what it's like to desire freedom, it tends to be Americans. Now that I've seen. But freedom is a weird and fickle thing. It can change depending on who you talk to, what it means, what it matters. So I, I have a couple questions. Kids, are you awake enough? To answer a question or two? I've got some. Okay, yes. Teens, I put you in the kids. You're okay. You can answer too, okay? If you could do anything you want in the world, what would that one thing be? Okay, I've got travel. Okay. Okay, let's go. Let's let's go not in the supernatural. He said fly, by the way, if you didn't hear that. Let's go with something a little bit more realistic, something that you theoretically could do, but you can't because of either your age or where you live or your parents. Oh, boy, this is a, pl- this is a time you can call your parents out for something. Danger. What would you do? Archaeologist Pompeii. Okay, fantastic. Can I, can I follow you up on that? What's stopping you from doing that right now? Boom. I'm, I'm not even going to go with the pang on this one, but I wanted to hear that one part. The parents, right? Your parents aren't about to let you just go off to Pompeii tomorrow, right? No? My son said buy stuff. Why can't you go buy stuff? That's fair. And I'm not giving it to you, right? Kids understand oppression better than anybody. Because they have, these parents, they have these people that tell them no all the time. I'm kidding, by the way, guys, kids. 
Don't go home and start saying, Pastor Jimmy thinks that my parents are oppressive people. Okay? I'm just trying to get you into this. But there is something to be said that in order to understand freedom, you do sort of have to understand what the other side of that is, and that's oppression. That's not being free. Kids understand that because, again, in order to do something, usually you have to ask permission, and it's a yes or a no, and it doesn't matter how bad you whine or how bad you ask for it. If it's no, it's no. And, like, if your parents say no to you flying off to Pompeii, you're probably not getting on a plane tomorrow, no matter how bad you want to, right? I don't want to hear, I, I, I don't want to be an accessory to anything, Okay? Because kids are smart, and you guys will figure it out. But I do want to just, before we get into our scripture today, just give a little bit of that side of there are two sides of this coin. In order to understand freedom, you also have to understand what it means to have that oppression, to not be on that side. And that leads us into our scripture today. So if you have your Bibles, or it should be on the screen behind me, we're actually in the Gospel of Luke. We'll be in the fourth chapter. And if you would, would you stand with me, with me, as we read this today? Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. May God add his blessing. To the word today. You can sit down. Just a little bit of a backstory in case you're not sure how we got here. We have Jesus, who is really just at the beginning of his ministry. He had gone down, he had been baptized by John the Baptist, the Spirit came on him. We saw, we heard the Lord say, This is my son whom I love. And instead of starting his ministry right there, right in that big, that big climactic moment, Jesus goes out to the desert and he fasts for 40 days. He's tempted by the devil and he goes away. Not quite what people thought was going to happen at the beginning there, but okay. But at the end of 40 days, he comes out and all of a sudden he starts going around the countryside and starts talking. He starts going to the synagogues on Sabbath. Kids, a synagogue very easily is, the closest thing I can give it to you is like a church like this. Now, they would have met on Saturday, not Sunday. But Jesus would go around to the synagogues, and he would teach. 
And instead of a, of a nice, easily printed Bible like this, they'd have a scroll that they would unroll. And then from there, like I'm doing now, the teacher, the rabbi would read from it, and then they would expound on that a little bit. So again, 2,000 years ago, very much so like this. Except Jesus does something very different, very profound when he goes back home. See, Nazareth, Nazareth was his hometown. Jesus of Nazareth, Church of the Nazarene. In case you didn't make that connection, I was, I'm helping you with that, okay? He goes into the synagogue like is normal. He's sort of made a name for himself by this point, we, we assume. And so he's back in town. The rabbis say, okay, Jesus, it's you, you do this for us today. And he goes up and he pulls open one of the most well-known passages of that time, coming from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 61. Well, it wouldn't have chapters at the time, but for us, Isaiah chapter 61. And he reads... One of the most well-known verses to them at the time. He reads, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. Set me to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. There wasn't anything special in him reading that. They would have heard this verse a lot. This would have been probably one of the kids' memory verses. You know, one of the ones that you get to know? The kids would have known this one. The adults would have known this one. They would have heard it. And as they sit down and they listen to what Jesus wants to say to them, he completely throws them for a loop. Because instead of talking about this, which, by the way, would have been one of the Messiah passages, looking for the one that was going to save them, Instead of talking about it, he sits down, he hands the attendant the scroll, and the people are hanging on every word. What's he going to say? And Jesus says, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I have to imagine that it was probably about that quiet when Jesus said that. Because people are trying to process, what is Jesus trying to say here? This is Jesus. This is Joe's son from down you know, around the corner at, the, at the, the carpenter shop around the corner. This is Joe's son who, you know, we're, we're proud of him. We're proud of this guy. He, he made it so, he's done well for himself. He's a rabbi now. He's well known. But it's still, this is Joe's son around the corner has come in and said, This is now happening right now in your hearing. I need to go back on this again because I have to emphasize just how incredible this moment was, would have been, how weighty this would have been. Because when this was written back in Isaiah, when Isaiah wrote it, it was in anticipation that one day, one day down the line, Israel would finally be its own people again. They wouldn't be under the control of another nation. In Jesus' time, they were under control of the Romans. But the Romans were just another group in a long line of people that had oppressed, this, had oppressed the Israelites. 
Just another one in a long line. But there was a hope for a future that said one day, one day we'll be free. One day someone will come in and someone will break all of that apart and we'll be the ones in charge and we'll be able to handle all this. And we're waiting for that. And so every time this scripture would have been read in the church, in the synagogue, it would have been with that hope with one day the Messiah is going to come. One day. This will all be over. One day. We'll be free. And Jesus sits down and says, Today's the day. It probably wasn't met with cheers. I think Joseph's son's lost it. He's gotten a little too full of himself now. But in this moment, though the people didn't realize it, and the people end up rejecting that, they don't, they don't really see how it could possibly be the way Jesus said it was because the prophet in his hometown is not accepted. But in this moment, Jesus proclaims something that changes the entire course of the world far before we even get to the crucifixion, far before we even get to that moment, Jesus proclaims the year of the Lord's favor. I know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm teaching a lot here, but let me go back a little bit even further. The year of the Lord's favor was something that was a little bit more than just the word. Just say, hey, this is a good year for the Lord. No, the year of the Lord's favor was also known as a jubilee. Okay? A jubilee, which was a special time that all the way back in Leviticus, all the way back when the law was handed to Moses, there were rules about Sabbaths and laws and how long people would have to rest, how long you'd have to rest your fields, how long, all of these things. There's so many laws in there. But one of the most interesting ones was this concept of a year of jubilee or the year of the Lord's favor. Because every 50 years there was a giant reset button. Every 50 years, everybody who sold land or had bought land or, or had gone back and forth, everybody who had bought or sold land or had anything like that, all the land went back to the original owners. Any debts were canceled. Anyone that was, had, had indentured themselves as a servant or a slave was now free. Everything reset. It was a complete and total socio-economical, I know, big words, kids, I'm so sorry, but reset. There, was no, there wasn't supposed to be this idea of this concept of, of giant generational wealth and land being bought up and, and all of these things. There was, if you were in debt, it was never a hopeless thing because we knew that eventually there was freedom coming. There was a reset coming. Now, ironically enough, we actually have zero indication that that ever, ever, ever happened. It was one of those things that sounded really good, but nobody actually ever did that. But when Jesus comes into the play here, he declares the year of the Lord's favor. The great reset. Because in this... This is where he says, I've come to preach good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners. 
recovery of sight for the blind, releasing of the oppressed. This is the new year of Jubilee. The great reset. And Jesus here in the great reset isn't just saying, hey, okay, everybody, let's reset everything. Let, you know, go back to the way it was. No, Jesus was actually beginning to, to pave the way for this new kingdom. This kingdom of God that he goes on to talk about and proclaim this new way of life, this new way of living, where all of a sudden it doesn't matter if you were the richest of the rich or the poorest of the poor. Where it didn't matter if you had wonderful health or if you had horrible health. Where it didn't matter if you were high in status or low in status, if you owned land, if you didn't own land. This was Jesus coming in and great resetting. Because even in those days, it was understood that if you were wealthy, if you were healthy, if you were doing well, if your family was well liked, you had God's favor. If you were poor, if you were sick, if you were blind, all that said, you were out of God's favor. So when Jesus comes in and says, you know what, this is a complete reset. Nobody, it doesn't matter if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're slave, if you're free, if you, are, if you have good health, if you have bad health, this is a brand new start, brand new time. The kingdom of heaven is not about these things. I've come to release. The implications here. The implication that Jesus is bringing here is not just that there was a Messiah coming, but that there was a whole new way of life being started here. That it didn't matter where you stood in life. That we were all going to be set, set on the same level in front of God. That it didn't matter if you were wealthy or if you were poor because in this new kingdom, none of those matter. Where being healthy or sick wasn't an indication of God's judgment or favor, but it was a reset together that everyone would be on the same level. So in this concept of a new kingdom, Jesus was proclaiming freedom. And not just basic freedom like they wanted, freedom from oppressors around them, but freedom from everything that could have possibly held them back. Every barrier between them and Jesus, gone. Because he's come to preach good news. Not to those who already have good news but to the poor. Proclaiming freedom, not for those that already have a good deal of freedom, but for the prisoners. The recovery of sight, not from those that don't need it, but from those that need it the most. And to release the oppressed. Now we live in this age 
where we live in what we call an already and a not yet. Meaning the kingdom of God instigated, even right here with the coming of Jesus, the kingdom of God coming in and breaching in on our lives while we wait for it to finish when Jesus comes again. We live in this middle where we get to celebrate and live in this kingdom already, and yet we still wait for, the final, for that final day when Jesus makes it complete again. And we are now called to do the same, to proclaim the good news to the poor, to proclaim that there isn't anything that can keep us away from God. There isn't anything that can keep us away from what God has for us, that there's nothing that you can say or do or be that will ever keep you away from God. In this new kingdom that he's building, it doesn't matter if you've done everything perfect your entire life or if you are still scraping by trying to figure out what, how life works. It doesn't matter if you've been wonderfully successful or horrifically failing. It doesn't matter where you come from, where your family comes from. It doesn't matter how the decisions you've made. The only thing that matters is whether or not we choose to be a part of what God has for us. Because now there is no barrier between us and Christ. The kingdom of God is here. And we get to participate in it. So while I invite our worship team back up, as I actually come to a close here, I want to ask you or leave you with a question. Is there anything in your own life or in your own heart that holds you back, that holds you prisoner? Is there anything that is preventing you from engaging in this new kingdom that Christ has set up for us. Because it doesn't matter how far your past, your present, even your future, it doesn't matter where you've been. He's waiting for you there. And let me encourage you, if you've never made that move before, if you've never said, okay, I might not even know I might not know what it, what it means to live in your kingdom, God. But I'm willing to try. Let me encourage you to say today can be that day for you. But won't you join me today as we pray? Father, way back then, 2,000 years ago, more than that, you sat in front of your people and declared this reset. The beginning of something new. This kingdom of God. This kingdom that we are invited to be a part of. That goes so much further beyond. So much further beyond our hopes and fears. Our status. 
Lord, I pray that as we celebrate this week, the freedom that we have in this place that we live, that we also learn to celebrate and learn to know the freedom that we have found as citizens of your kingdom. That there are no chains that can hold us down. There are nothing that can keep us away from you and away from being part of this amazing thing. Jesus, we so look forward to that day when you come again and you make that kingdom whole and final. But in these moments and in this time, Lord, I pray that you would allow us to be your hands and your feet, to be your kingdom, to be part of this in this world today. Father, allow us to be ambassadors of you in a world in need as your kingdom comes nearer and nearer each and every day. We love you. In Jesus' name we ask and we pray it all. Amen. A blessing as we leave today. May God bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you this week. And may the God that presents to us true freedom go with us as we leave this place to be his light in a world in need. Go in the peace of the Lord today. You are dismissed.